Hello? Hi, Jimmy. Go ahead. We're, your, your mic is trying to unmute. Okay. There good you evening, go. Every, good evening, everyone, and um, welcome to uh, our podcast, uh, Heavenly Places. I'm your host, Jameer, and I'm I'm here along with uh, Dorothy. Uh, I'd like to welcome everyone this evening. Um, it is the first Thursday in uh, October, I believe, first Thursday in October. Um, we're entering in a uh, a very interesting time um, uh, around this time as we go into the holiday season. We have uh, Halloween coming up, and of course Thanksgiving and Christmas. And with Halloween coming up, I actually wanted to do a, a, a little series on it um, about Halloween. So I'm gonna go ahead and open up in prayer. Um, Father, we thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercies, and your blessings. Um, give us a wisdom during this time. Give us strength during this time. Uh, heal your people, deliver them, save them, and set them free. And let the Holy Spirit guide me this evening. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> okay, so I, I have been uh, studying... Uh, a little bit about the history of Halloween, and I have a whole lot of information. I'll see how much I can cover. Um, and I usually I start off with the scripture, and I actually don't have a scripture to start off with tonight, but I do have plenty of scriptures. <laughs> but um, I just want to go ahead and, and get into Halloween, and actually uh, how how Halloween came about. Um, Actually, originally from uh, many studies, it is actually, uh, instead of it being called Halloween, it was actually called, and I'm going to probably pronounce it wrong. I'm not good with some name pronunciations, but it's called Sumhain, Sumhain. And the spelling of that, if you had your pen with you, is S-A-M-H-A-I-N, S-A-M-H-A-I-N, um, so actually, before even Halloween came into existence, they were celebrating this Sumain and uh, the ancient ancient world or whatever, you know. And basically, um, when they celebrated this time, they actually considered this time of the year to be uh, be the time of the year of the veil between our world, our natural world, and the spiritual world to be to be thinnest. So they actually believe that uh, spirits could usually travel back and forth into the land of the living. Um, so they believe that uh, the relatives who have passed will come up, will come back during this time, and also also evil spirits. I mean, things like fairies and all kind of things will be able to uh, travel during this time because, uh, again. The veil between the natural world and the spiritual world, they say, is as thinnest at this time. Now, I'm not sure why that is the case or why they believe that, but I thought of find it uh, very interesting, particularly that we are still celebrating it today. Um, and so what they would do is uh, some of the things, they actually they did many things, but 
they would uh, leave food and tasty snacks in honor of the gods that they worship, you know. So when they would leave this food out, you know, for for them to partake of, which is uh, kind of interesting. Um, and they would do this. Uh, we tend to celebrate it in the Western world around, uh, you know, October the 31st, which we kind of have it every year, but theirs was different. So there, and a lot of the things that we do, we know, uh, it happens in the evening. Um, we have children and sometimes adults, they dress in costumes, uh, like ghosts, witches, um, we have vampires, zombies, skeletons, we have everything, Ninja Turtles, um, Aladdin, and it, it's all kind of things that we do over here in the Western world. Um, we have uh, haunted houses. They turn amusement parks into haunted places. Um, horror movies um, are coming out. Actually, horror movies come out all year round, but in particular, they have horror movies coming out around this time because they know they can make a whole lot of money of it. In America, the Western world, they have really commercialized it, even though it still has a lot of a lot of their roots um, and and beginnings. And and uh, I would I would say there was uh, witchcraft, um, demons, and, and things of that nature. Um, and so we have a, a few other things that we do. Uh, we have like what, costume parties, pumpkin carvings, and trick or treating. And I and I and I will admit that uh, that growing up we actually did that. Uh, with the trick-or-treating, as a kid, I went trick-or-treating. I went to haunted houses as a teenager, uh, uh, wore costumes and all these kind of things. But I, I did these uh, things out of uh, unknowingly. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like you do things, like traditional things that people do around you. Actually, I had some classmates while I was in the sixth grade, and they're, they weren't allowed to participate in school of that and I always kind of wondered why that was the case. So they would take them out of the classroom, and I'm, I'm not sure what they did in their area. And I'm not sure if they were Christians or whatever they were, but they were not allowed to celebrate it. Um, so when I was younger, I didn't, never thought anything was really in particular. I knew it was scary, but I didn't think find anything wrong with it. Um, so we've gone from the... Uh, Samhain, and so so how did we get the name from Samhain to Halloween? Because Samhain, again, that's what they celebrated in the ancient culture, but then it got somehow changed to Halloween, and it actually knew a lot that was happening with that. But actually, the, the word Halloween is actually uh, kind of like a, a, a short inversion of uh, the form all Hallows Evening, all, like A-L-L, Hallows, H-A-L-L-O-W-S, Evening. Um, so uh, All Hallows Evening was uh, kind of like the, the harvest time where they had festivals in uh, pre-Christian pre, pre Europe. So like, you know, like in the Rome area and all those kind of areas in uh, Western Europe, they called it All Hallows Evening. Um, and it, of course now it's, it's celebrated in uh, several countries around the world but 
the evening before was called All Hallows Day. So All Hallows, I'm sorry, the day All Hallows Evening was before All Hallows Day. And that's basically when uh, Hallow is referring to saints. So it's when uh, the saints and martyrs and people who are who were who have been martyred from the Christian denomination, you know, so they will remember them on Al Hallows Day, which is the day after uh Halloween, but before the evening before was called All Hallows Evening, which uh basically we kinda shorten it now I'm not sure when the shortening ha- happening, but we call it to Halloween. So All Hallows Evening. So that's how we got the term Halloween. Um, but the thing is, uh, there are many similarities between All Hallows Evening or Halloween and the uh, Samain uh, tradition, you know. And <clears throat> that right there, we're, we're going to go into how that happened. But uh, basically, let me, let me give you a, a little bit more information about the Samains. So, uh, of course, they celebrated it on. Of course, we celebrated during the fall, but they celebrated it. It was still around this time, except they understood it to be the last day of summer and the first day of winter. You know, and they celebrated the godness of Panoma, which is P-O-M-O-N-A, Panoma, and that is the goddess of fruit. And guess what? One of the major fruits that was celebrated was apples. <laughs> so one of the, one of the, one of the, one of the things that they had around that time was apples, and that's why around this time they used bobbin for apples around this time, and even caramel apple. So you have that around this time. You know that's one of the traditions that kind of just got carried on, and they're like, oh, okay, we using apples. Well, this is the reason why, because of the goddess of Panoma, and one of the major fruits again were apples, and they use uh, the bobbin for apples as a. Uh, of course, they use it for games now, but during that time it was considered a, a form of divination. Um, so they would use it like to like kind of like bobbin for apples to predict their future, to have their fortune told, also who's going like who's going to be your future spouse, all those types of things. I'm not sure how they did it, but that's how they did it. So they was using bobbin for apples um, as a form of uh, divination. And also, in that kind of tradition, apples were considered to be associated with a lot of the the female deities, um, with immorality, uh, with knowledge. Maybe that's how they started talking about the apple being on a tree. I'm not sure. Um, and one of the reasons is, is the apple, because if you, uh, if an apple is cut through its equator, like the middle of it, uh, it will reveal a five-pointed star outline in the center of each hemisphere. Um, and the goddesses, you know, uh, the uh, this ancient European, actually it was like the Celtics, Celtics. Not, not the basketball team, but the Celts, um, the kind of Celtic people, they were the ones who were celebrating it. But if you look at some of the other traditions, like the Gypsies and even the Egyptians, 
they have some things that are kind of similar um, when it talks about the apple, you know. Uh, some of the other things they did with the apple, they would, they would peel the apple uh, in front of a candle, lit mirror, and it believes they would produce the image of your future spouse. Um, and they would also attempt to produce a long, unbroken apple peel. And that basically that what that would say is uh, how long you would live. <laughs> so they were doing all kind of things with the apples and apple bop. Uh, Apple bobbing. Um, some of the things we just take for take as games now, um, they were very uh, evil and used for divination. You know, seeking of uh, seeking of knowledge from other sources other than uh, our Father in heaven. You know, um, in addition to that. <laughs> You know, now we wear, like I, I mentioned earlier, that we uh, wear costumes. Actually, it was, uh, this was maybe about uh, 10 years ten years ago. Uh, my sister, she was having a costume party. And I didn't have a costume. Of course, I just came there. And uh, they asked me what I was, <laughs> what, I, what kind of character was I, you know. So I told them that I, I was a uh, just a tax collector. I mean, not tax collector. I'm sorry, a taxpayer. You know, I'm just like an average American citizen that's paying taxes. That's that was my costume. You know, even though I was just wearing my regular wardrobe. Um, but uh, yeah, that's what she was having. But anyway, uh, wearing the costumes, you know, they that's nothing new. But when they wore the costumes again back in the ancient culture, it was a belief. Basically, they was wearing them to trick the uh, evil and dead spirits. That you were one of them, so you were in like a costume back in the day. Um, so they basically they won't they will just probably like ignore you or not bother you because hey they thinking that you're from the same world that they are. At least that's what they would believe. Um, and then the people who were in the costume they would practice what is called guising, G U I S I N G. And that basically is a, a practice of uh, basically them going, the people who was wearing the costumes, going door to door and attempt to claim the offering that was left for the gods. So people around this time, they would actually place food and different things outside their door in hopes of the, the gods, the spirits that are coming, the evil spirits or whatever, will come and take those offerings that they're leaving, leaving for them and leave them alone. Um now, does that sound familiar? <laughs> uh, kind of like trick-or-treating, you know, you come to the door, the kids coming to the door with their parents or by themselves and ringing the bell and hoping to get, like, some type of candy or candy or, 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 or something of that nature, you know, whatever, whatever they're passing out these days, gum, suckers, all that kind of stuff. But it was called guising back in the day, and they were going door-to-door um, and just trying to get whatever offer was left by the spirits or or gods that uh that uh weren't were not taken, you know. Um also uh and I talked about it earlier, but the dead and departed relatives, you know, they played a central role in this tradition, um as a connection between the living and dead, you know, again the veil was very thin, so they also believed not only did they pass, but they also did they could 
communicate with the deceased, you know. And they believe that, uh, so say, for instance, you had someone that died, they believe that they would come actually to your home, you know, and uh, people would have dinners and all these kind of things, and they would be welcoming and their uh, deceased loved ones. Uh, they would have food and all these kind of things and uh, so that they could have good health, <laughs> so that people could have good health, you know. But that's almost like... Uh, these spirits coming in, if you ever heard of anything called familiar spirits, uh, family spirits, and all this kind of stuff, which really are, are spirits who are very familiar with your family. If you uh, study the spiritual world, you know that the demons, they're very familiar with you. They've been, basically, they've been living longer than many, many of your generations, so they are very familiar with you. They're familiar with your ancestors, your grandfather, your great-grandfather. So they will come and sometimes pose as your family or loved one because they, they know how they speak, operate, and all these kind of things. So uh, that's one of the things that they are uh, kind of celebrating during this tradition, the uh, Sumerian, I'm not Sumerian, but uh, the actually Savan, Savan, um, S-A-M-H-A-I-N. Savan is one one way that you can uh, pronounce it. Um, so the idea that these people are returning home at this particular time um, and of year is kind of it's kind of like uh, some other cultures. They have something that's kind of similar. Uh, if you ever heard of the Day of the Dead, which is celebrated in Mexico, Dia de Muerto. Um, Basically, it's honoring family members who have died, and they have, like, some of their similar traditions. Um, and I believe theirs fall around the same time of the year. I'm not, I'm not sure about that. But um, it's, it's just so many things that uh, that we just <laughs> we just kind of do. And uh, so the Sumerian, let, let me go a little bit, talk about the transition transition about the Sumerian transition uh, to uh, the history of Halloween. So uh, we have the Catholic Church. This is where the Catholic Church comes in, basically. Um, they had uh, created, made Christian uh, Christianity a uh, 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 state-ordained religion. And in order to... Uh, they basically wanted to eliminate a lot of the pagan religions, but they wanted the people to accept the Christian religion. So what they did was they kept they kept a lot of the pagan religions. Um, they kept them like a lot of the traditions, and they kind of incorporated it into their their thing. So so when it's a man, when you want, when it went to um, Halloween or all. The hollow evening, or the, the evening of the saints, um, they did that on purpose because they wanted to uh, eliminate the pagan religion. At least that's what they. Some people were saying they wanted to eliminate the uh, the pagans and hope to hopeful hoping that the pagans will come and join them, you know, and and, and celebrate and worship Jesus. Actually, in, in 1601 A.D., Pope Gregory. He guess he he uh, actually said this. This is what he said or wrote um, to 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 the different missions um, concerning like native beliefs, like this uh, 
the Sumerian people and their culture. Um, he said, rather than try to obliterate native people's customs and beliefs, the Pope instructed his missionaries to use them. So if a group worship a tree rather than cut it down, he advised them to consecrate it to Christ and allow its continued worship. So basically, whatever they was already doing, they could still keep on doing it, but didn't say you doing it for Christ, you know. And that's kind of like what happened in, uh, if you remember when the children of Israel left Egypt, and then they built that altar out of gold, and they said that they was kind of doing that for God, but, you know, they were worshiping Baal. But uh, they ended up, you know, getting swallowed up by the earth. And that's kind of like, it's almost similar what they did back in Egypt when they left to to what this Halloween is going on because they kind of sanctified and they say, hey, if they worship in a tree, guess what? We're going to let them keep on doing it. They said, that's, that's consecrated for Christ and allow them to continue worship. Um, and the All Saints Day, the All Hallow Day, Hallow Day was actually, it was formally started by a Pope Boniface. Uh, I know that his name sounds funny, but it's, his name is spelled B-O-N-I-F-A-C-E. <laughs> so Pope Boniface, he, uh, and we, of course, again, hollow means saint, almost like holy. Um, so uh, you have the Catholic Church starting that, and that was November the 1st. And again, the Eve, the night before All Hallow Eve, uh, or All Saints Day Eve was the evening before um, which is called Holy Eve or Hollow Eve or Halloween, which we call today. Um, so this is around like the 12th century. Uh, and so all across Europe, you know, the um, they began to encourage people to do that. So we have people, regular people, dressing in black, then ringing bells, uh, and they was being mournful, you know, um, calling on Christians basically to remember the the poor souls of the dead. So this is what the uh, believers, you know, they was doing. Um, and they was doing special soul cakes would be baked and shared. And this custom of uh, soul and was also shared in England, uh, Germany, Belgium, Austria, Italy. And is basically a lot of the traditions that, uh, that we are, are kind of doing today, um, which is like the, the trick-or-treating, you know. Um, actually, and we got like the, okay, we got the trick-or-treat. Um, so some people, they actually begin to do pranks, you know, um, and that's where we got the trick. Like people begin to be doing, doing mischievous things, particularly in Scotland and Ireland. Um and doing all these pranks, and that's why kind of you got like the tricks going in there too. So we got the treats and tricks together, um, mixing in. So we have people who kind of still do pranks this day. I don't think it's as widespread as it was back then, um, where people were beginning to do tricks. Um, in addition to that, uh, for Halloween, one thing that we do is uh, we we have pumpkins, so we carve them out, kind of make them holy. I mean, hollow, hollow on the inside, and 
they give them different kind of faces, like spooky, scary faces, you know, creating these jack-o'-lanterns, but some of them are, like, happy. Some people put their names in them, or all kind of things, you know. Um, pumpkins, you know, they're used as a, a symbol of harvest. But uh, <clears throat> the original, uh, and then they put the vibes in them, kind of like lanterns. But originally in Ireland, in Scotland, where it started, they actually carved turnips because they had a lot of turnips there. Pumpkins they use here over in America because we have a lot of pumpkins over here, so they use those. So uh, these turnips, lanterns, guess what they used them to fight the evil spirits. So like when they was going around trick-or-treating and all this kind of stuff, you know, uh, if you ever heard of like the origin the origin of uh, the jack-o'-lanterns, uh, that was uh, kind of interesting. So uh, basically it was uh, a guy named Jack. You know, he was uh, miserable. He was drunk, you know, and he loved playing tricks on anyone and everyone. And then basically one one night, one Halloween night, I guess Jack ran into our enemy. <laughs> it says that basically this is a story. I'm, I'm not sure if, what the where the origin of it or the, or the validity of it, valid if it, this is actually something that happened. But anyway, I doubt it. But Jack ran into the devil himself in uh, a house, and uh, guess what? Jack tried to trick the devil by offering his soul in exchange for one last drink. And the devil, basically, he turned on him. <clears throat> the devil turned on himself into a uh, six to pay the bartender. Uh and Jack, he uh, immediately snatched the coin and deposited it in his pocket and next to a silver coin that he was carrying. And guess what? The, guess what? When he did this, the devil could not change himself back. And Jack refused to allow the devil to go free until the devil had promised, <clears throat> the devil had promised not to claim Jack's soul for 10 years. And the devil agreed. Okay, so then we have 10 years later, Jack came across the devil while out walking on a country road, and the devil tried collecting what was due, but Jack thinking and said quickly, I'll go, but before I do, you had to give me an apple from the tree. And the devil, thinking he had nothing to lose, jumped up into the tree to retrieve this apple. So as soon as he did, Jack, guess what? He carved out a cross all around the tree and trapping the devil in the tree again. So this time, Jack made the devil promise that he would not take his soul when he finally died. And seeing no way around this predicament, the devil, guess what? He agreed. And when Jack eventually passed away several years later, he went to the gates of heaven, but he was refused entrance because of his life of drinking and because he had been so typhist and he was deceiving people on the earth, they would not let him to heaven. So Jack then went down to hell to see the devil and to find out whether it was possible for him to gain entrance into the depths of hell. But the devil kept his promise. I, I can't imagine, I guess, I can't imagine the devil his promise. But anyway, the devil kept his promise that he had made to Jack years earlier. And guess what? He wouldn't let Jack enter either. either. So Jack thought, oh, man, where can I go? And the devil said, basically, back where you came from. So... Basically, Jack pleaded with the devil at least to provide him with a light to help him find his way. And 
as a final gesture, guess what the devil gave Jack an ember straight from the fires of hell. <laughs> so Jack placed the ember in a hollow turnip. And uh, one of Jack's favorite food, which he always carried around with him, wherever he could steal one from. And from that day forward, Jack had been doomed to roam the earth without a resting place <laughs> uh, with only his turnip to guide him in his darkness. So uh, that's how kind of how we got to the uh, origin of the uh, Jack O'Lanterns, you know. So he's so we had the devil. Um, um, this, this little story that's told, you know, about uh, the Jack O'Lanterns basically is like a soul, you know, that's uh, going around, and now people are just putting these things on their front porch. Um, in addition to that, it, it's, I mean, there's so many other things. Uh, the skulls and masks, you know, skulls and masks. Uh, the Druids, if you're familiar with Druids. I had a friend who was a, a Druid, but they, I didn't know he did this, but they wore masks and skulls as costumes, and they were said to even offer human sacrifices around this time. Um, ghosts and skeletons, you know, uh those are some some of the common things, and even black cats, you know, they're known to basically be uh, helping witches, <laughs> um, helping them with their magic. Uh, black cats, people put like little little things on their porch about little black cats, and they're they're known to be helping witches and all these kind of things. Um, then of course we have the uh, the broomsticks and witches, uh, which are uh, also, um, basically, satanic. We we kind of know that they talk about the witches flying around on the broomsticks. Um, so there there are so many things that we do and practice that we don't even really know why. And then originally, the Catholic Church they were trying to get all these pagans to become Christians or Catholic Christians. So they adopted that and. It's kind of been intertwined, and it's almost like well, they adopted this tradition of man, but it's nothing from the Father in heaven, nothing that I believe He desires us to do. But today we have churches who are um, doing that. We have churches who have uh, trunk or treat, trick or treat. They they are allowing the kids to dress in the costumes and all of that. They have all these things going on, and it's it's kind of hard. Because everything is so intertwined and intertwined, what what is a believer to do? <laughs> you know, what is a Christian to do? I know myself. I don't participate in those type of activities, but it's maybe it's because I'm older. But when I was younger, I I did a lot of it was unknowingly. Um, but even after becoming a Christian, guess what? I still I still did some of those things. Was I doing any? Uh, Human sacrifices, no, or trying to pick the devil, no, but we don't realize that some of those things, you know, they actually open up doors. The enemy, the devil, he don't care. He's not fair. Whatever he can do, you know, as a, a door, something that will open up a door, he'll open up a door and he'll try to bring any type of generational curse or some type of curse upon you. And you may think that you're doing something innocent or, or something that uh that is um yeah something innocent, but in actuality you're you're opening opening up a door to the to the uh, supernatural world, and as consequences you may be 
it might be something that's sick or sometimes you lose some money or different things and you just never put the connection with and not just Halloween but particularly Halloween I'm talking about this evening but what's going on in your life some sometimes things that veil that they talk about then I believe I don't know if I believe it's it's thinner at this time of the year than any other. Maybe it's something that they know that I don't know. But I believe uh, no matter what time of the year around, but I guess it's it's supercharged around this time because so many people are participating in it and this type of festivity, this, this, this whatever you want to call it, that it's allowing more and more spirits to pass through, uh, more open doors. And we as uh, believers, we don't want to be caught up in that, those things. And it's, we should uh, um, try to stop it. Or for, actually, First Thessalonians five twenty two says, "State abstain from all appearance of evil." Hosea four six says, "My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge." So some of the things, these things we are participating in, and we not making a connection that some things that are happening in our life are because we're participating and doing these things, these certain type of activities. I'm not saying that we're bad as a person, and I'm not saying that you're bad as a person or that I'm better than you because I'm not doing this and you're doing that. No, that's not the case. What I'm trying to do is uh, get you to detach yourself, and I'm not telling you, hey, don't do that this year. Don't do Halloween because Halloween is in three weeks. Um but I, I want to I want to encourage you to, to study these things and look upon these things for yourself, and allow the Holy Spirit to guide and direct you to uh, what you should do for your family and life. Because I know it's so intertwined. Like it's some things we don't want to stop doing because we love it and we're so familiar with, we're so comfortable with it, we're so traditional with it. And some people try to do alternatives with the trunk or treat. And I understand the motivation for those types of things, too. Um, but uh, I guess the main thing is I want you to be led by the Spirit because some of us might have to drop every type of association with it, you know. Um, you may have some things in the life that we just need to get rid of and drop it off. And, and then others, you know, maybe the Father is using you in a way to reach people who normally won't go, maybe that can be your type of bridge. I don't know. The Holy Spirit will have to lead you um, and guide you on that. Uh, I believe Dorothy, she had some information too she wanted to share or something she wanted, she wanted to say about the uh, Halloween because I know she knows a lot about this topic also. Um, I was just going to say there are some actual satanic holidays around this time. Um the number of child kidnappings go up. And I know I have a black cat who likes to go outside. She's the only one out of the eight that likes to go outside. And I always try and keep her in during October because I know they sacrifice cats too. And they like the black ones. So, um, another, yeah, it's, it's nerve-wracking because, you know, Harold says, well, she wants to go out, let her out. And I'm going, you didn't want her out at all, maybe during the daylight hours. But then, you know, how cats are, they like to go out in the dark. And I keep saying, no, you can't go out in the dark. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, I also have a friend who is an SRA survivor. And, you know, that 
ritual abuse occurs around these high holy days for the Satanists. So her all of her programming is not broken yet. Okay? She's been working on it. So at oh, this wow. time of year, she is highly sensitive, almost to the point of paranoia because you you know, when someone's out to get you, it's not paranoia. So, you know, if you've been trained to that you're going to be hurt around this a certain time of year, you're going to be nervous around that time of year, you know. So it's a very bad time. And like I said, I get upset because the Christians get suckered into doing these things that are actually um, not just pagan rituals, but satanic rituals. So, and like you said, that opens doors. And and the enemy, you know, the hooligans can only hurt us when we give them the legal right to us. And we do that when we open doors. So it's important to do your due diligence. If you are doing something and you get this little check in your spirit and it's just a little whisper, pay attention. His father's trying to tell you something. You know? Yeah. I'm not I'm not one who likes to focus on the negative, but I I do have to acknowledge it because it's reality, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh Les Disdor Disdar sorry, publishes a calendar of the high holy days of the Satanists. So yeah. if anybody it's, wants to dig into that, they're just, and that's also a very good time to go into some prayer and fasting for the victims of this stuff and for any kind of hold they have over your community. Because you don't always know they're there unless Father tells you. Yeah, they're there. Yeah, during these times, yeah, it's a good time to uh, fast and pray. You know, um, sometimes we get so lost in the, in the tradition of the man and don't recognize the enemy. I know I use pagan, but yeah, they're very, very satanic. You know, it's, it's people just just trapped in those things, trapped in those cycles, trapped, trapped in, uh, and they're being abused and tortured. You know, but no one really likes to really talk about or focus on it, but it's going on. <laughs> it's, and it's, it's really sad. And if we don't pray for the victims of this, who will? Because they're certainly not hanging out with Christian folks, you know? So we need yeah. to. Yeah. There's a mess of bad stuff out there, and this is the uh, height of the season for them. Yeah, it is. It, I, and it, it, the, the thing that is interesting is uh, some of our major holidays that we celebrate uh, in Christianity, you know, a lot of them are like basically high days of... Uh, Satanic activity, like where they say that the veil is very thin, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. a lot of it was not started by us, and a lot of it was not started by the original Hebrews and our Father in Heaven and Jews. It wasn't 
of Jesus, you know, it wasn't started by them, but it was like the Catholic Church introduced a lot of those things and kind of ordained them and said they were holy, but they did that. I'm pretty sure their motive was not was not right. And I'm not saying, trying to talk against uh, Catholics, but a lot of the things that they, that the original founders that they did and that they called were things that, uh, that a lot of Christians are, are doing today. And that's why the scripture says, uh, Revelation, that we need to come from out of her, uh, the tra- traditions of man, because we don't want to be partakers of our sins. And um, there's got to be a separation you know, between us and the world. Sometimes it hurts, you know, to be different, to be the eyeball, to be uh, the alien, because we're not of this world. It it hurts. You're like, oh, it's not going to hurt me to wear like a gorilla costume, hey, or or something like that, you know. <laughs> but uh, again, you don't you don't know what door you open in, and you don't want to be a stumbling block to someone. Um, but also, like like Dorothy said, we should be in prayer. Um, and, you know, Father, he might have you at one of those places um, to be a witness, to be a light um, in those types of situations and circumstances. You know, sometimes we can't necessarily avoid what's happening around us, like if something's going on our, at our job or something like that. Um, but we can still be a light during those situations <laughs> and times, you know. Yeah, so. <clears throat> but I've be it be as separate from the things of the world as much as you can, no matter how much hard it hurts or how much it makes you uh, different from the world. Because you know this this world is just so temporary. Things are going um, getting pretty bad. You know they're getting pretty bad. Look at the news; all the natural disasters is occurring around the world. You know um, our father he's coming back soon. You know, but we got people eating, drinking, and being buried. <laughs> You know, we don't know when he's going to come, but we know it's, it's happening soon. So we need to be on our guard because there's people just being deceived and tricked, and we need to be uh, the person who uh, does not like wisdom, who does not like knowledge, so that we ourselves as the people of God won't be destroyed. We don't want ourselves to be destroyed because if we are destroyed, that we can't help the others who the enemy is already destroying and who already has in prison and poverty. So, uh, yeah, I encourage you to look, look up those days. Look up those days. Um, we should be in prayer every single day, every single time. But uh, just as a reminder to ourselves that this is a uh, spiritual war. It's a spiritual battle that we're in. Um, and this, this Halloween thing is uh, we're going to be, be fighting. We're already fighting. But uh, you put on your spiritual boots, you know, your, your uh, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness and all that. You know, around this time, if you don't have it on, it's essential. Uh, it, it so, um, I'd like to thank everyone for, um, did you have something else, Dorothy, you wanted to? Uh, I wanted to say, you know, one of the things that really brought it home for me about these pagan practices is something as simple as sunrise service at Easter is a pagan practice. That really brought home to me how far the enemy has gone to deceive people. If you want to know about sunrise service, go look in Jeremiah where Father was showing him what was going on in his church of the day. Yeah. And uh, sunrise service is right in there, and you're gonna, your jaw is going to drop. I mean, the simplest things 
It's real. And our hot cross buns at Easter. You know how yeah. you go get those? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really. And if you want to know about the Catholic Church's intent, watch Shogun, that movie. Yeah, it's a long movie. But okay. you know that the Catholic Church actually divided up the world into sections to divide amongst the different bishops as to who owns them. And I'm thinking, wow. It's just one of those little pieces of history that, that we don't grab onto when we're studying history. But in a movie, it really jumps out at you. Wow. And what's but that video called? It's Shogun. S-H-O-G-U-N. It's um, it's an excellent movie. It's about, um, it, you know, way back when. And um, a bunch of uh, sailors get crash on Japan. I think it's Japan. Yeah. And and the, the captain of the ship gets pulled into this shogun society. You know, the warrior. Samurai warrior thing. And he falls in love, of course. you got to have a love interest in a movie. But yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's really it's a good movie and it's not it's not dirty, dirty. You know, they do have some scenes where there's a little bit of nudity, but it's more in the line of because the Japanese were so into bathing and they thought, you know, these men are all dirty. Throw them in the water and get them clean. They don't even take a bath, you know. So, oh, wow. It's just interesting because it shows you the cultural differences and it, and and how they, at least in the, the love interest, it comes together. I liked it. I imagine. I never heard of that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in and listening this evening. Um, Those of you who will be listening later on YouTube and Blog Talk and Vimeo and SoundCloud, um, I hope you were able to get something out of this teaching. Don't forget you can visit my webpage, www.jamere.org, www.jamere.org, um, to request a book. You can also go to my uh, email. You can email me directly at drmerejay at gmail.com. That's drmerejay at gmail.com. Um, and it's for free. Okay. Well, let me close in prayer. And um, thank you for having me again this this evening, Dorothy. And again, um, people, children of the Most High God, you know, let, let us be vigilant and studious, that he show ourselves approved, um, and put on the armor. Uh, and I'll, don't forget to pray for our nation. There's so many things. The whole world actually needs prayer, but pray for our nation since we live here. Things are going on in California and on the east coast and the west coast, natural disasters, disasters in the government. Um, There's all kind of things going on. Father, we we lift up the people who's listening, Father Lord. Lift up Dorothy, lift up myself. Um, Lift up the people, lift up the churches, Father Lord. 
Guide us towards you, Father, Lord, to your word, Father. Help us to be there by your spirit, Father. Help us to study to show ourselves approved. Um, help us not to look to the left or the right, Father, Lord, but look to you, the author and finisher of our faith, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, Lord, for him down on the cross for our sins. We thank you for this program, that your gospel can be preached to the outermost parts of the earth. I thank you for everyone who is listening, that our lives are being transformed, that they are being healed, delivered, saved, and set free. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And I just want to say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And that is how, that is the ironic blessing. And that's how Father was told, told Aaron to pray over the people. So, oh, man. Must be important, you know? Must yeah. be important if God said to do it that way. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, okay. Uh, thank you. And you have a, a good evening. You as well. And all of you out there in Internet land, <laughs> Father bless you. We'll see you next week. Are we going to do a part two of Halloween or? Yes, I still got some more stuff on there that I didn't go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. That was a very interesting story about Jack O'Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Father bless okay. Jameer. You have a good night. Me too. <laughs>